place, but I was stu- I was I was in the Bible uh, early earlier this week, and I ran across a piece of a, a piece of scripture, and I said, you know what? I've never heard anybody preach on this before. Never. And so I just got into it, and everything. God started showing me some things, and 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 then I, I realized when I got to the last part of it why it wasn't preached very often, and you're going to find out here in a few minutes. But uh, I just want to read this, and then and then we'll go through it and look at it. Is that okay? All right, give me John five verse one. After this, there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there, was a, now there is in Jerusalem by, by the sheep gate a pool, which is called in Hebrew Bethesda, having five porches. And, and these lay a great multitude of sick people, blind, lame, paralyzed, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain time into the pool and stirred up the water that whoever stepped in first, that's the reason there's no participation trophies in the Bible. You've got Jesus, uh, God loves competition. He wants you to be better and better and better and better and better. See here? The first one, not the last one. But then again, he flips it all around and he says the last will be first, first. So you just... Anyway, he likes competition. After the story of the water, they were made well. And whoever got there first got healed. Next. Now, a certain man was there who had an infirmity 38 years. When Jesus saw him lying there and knew that he already had been in, in that condition for a long time, said to him, do you want to be made well? Heck yeah, the sick man answered. (laughs) Sir, I have no man to put me into the pool when the water is stirred, but but while I am coming, another steps down before me. In other words, I can't get there quick enough. Follow me? Okay. Jesus said to him, rise, take up your bed and walk. So he did. Immediately, the man was made well, took up his bed, and walked. And that day was the Sabbath. Oh, bad Jesus, bad Jesus. The Jews therefore said to him, who was, who, said to him, who was cured? It is the Sabbath. It's not lawful, and it's also awful for you to carry around your bed on the Sabbath. Can't do that. He answered, well, the guy that made me well told me to take it up and walk, so I took it up and I walked. Right? That's the redneck version. Take up your bed and walk. So he didn't know who Jesus was. This guy had no clue who he was talking to. Y'all get this? He had no, anyway, he says, well, the guy that healed me told me to take up my bed and walk, so I took up my bed and I walked. Okay, next. 13, yeah. But the one who was healed did not know who it was, for Jesus had withdrawn. A multitude being in that place. He knew he was in trouble. Afterward, Jesus found him where? In the temple and said to him, See, you have been made well. 
Here's the reason nobody preaches this part of Scripture. Right here. Jesus said this. It's in red if you're, if, unless you're in an iPad. But <laughs> Jesus said, see, you have been made well. Sin no more. That's the worst thing come upon you. God's going to get you if you start sinning again. Right? That's, what, that's the reason nobody likes to preach this because that's what it sounds like he's saying. He's not saying it. He's trying to make the man understand. If it, if it leaves, it'll come back seven times stronger than it was. You'll be dead if this thing, if you live a lifestyle of sin, this thing will kill you. He didn't say, leave it right there. He didn't say he was healed. He said he was made well. Big difference. Big difference in divine health and, and, and made well. If you can be made well, you can be made unwell. Jesus just saw the guy. The, Jesus said nothing about faith. Listen, I want you to listen. We're going to go back and look at the conversation. He said nothing about faith. He said nothing about healing. He didn't say anything about the angel. He didn't say anything about God. He didn't say nothing. He said, hey. Do you want to be made well? Heck yeah. Okay, take your bed and walk. That was it. That was the only conversation that they had. There was nothing about it. Did, let's go back and look. Go back to the first couple of verses. I'll make sure I'm right about this because, you know, I don't want to be, I, I never want to be wrong. I'm, I'm perfect up to now. So, <laughs> next. Next. No, if we go back to two. Let's go back to two. I'm going I'm to do, I'm gonna do this, and I'm going to do this actually according semi to my notes. It says that it had five porches. It's called Bethesda. And by the sheep gate, why did they have, why did they, why was there five porches by a pond? The pool, pond, same thing. It's not like it was a little kiddie pool. It was a pond. They didn't have, they didn't have, you know, concrete ponds back then. It was a pond, and and this is where this angel chose to come down and stir the water. And whoever got there second was out of luck because the first one, whoever won the race to the pool, got healed. Didn't nobody know when it was going to happen. So they just built some porches out there and had covered. Well, how do I know this? Because it's the Middle East. It's 120 degrees out there. Why didn't somebody just lay by the pool and wait? Because they would die of a heat stroke. They had porches so that the, the sick could lay out there and then have a foot race. This is crazy or what? This actually happened. And so Jesus walks up, you know, and he, he just looked at this one guy and said, man, do you really want to be made well? The guy started recruiting Jesus to carry him to the pond. He didn't know who he was. He didn't know anything about him. 
He, he just saw somebody, somebody showed some interest in his life. And immediately he said, hey, I can't get down there. Every time I go, man, just before I get there, somebody gets there before me. I have, it said, he even said in one place here, he said, I have no man to carry me. He was looking for somebody to carry him, to give him an advantage so that he would be made well. Because why? Because he'd been sick for 38 years. And the first person to come by and show the instrument, he just latched on to. He didn't know it was the, he didn't know he was talking to the Messiah. He didn't even know there was one. Are, are you understanding what I'm trying to say? This is a normal guy. It'd, just like, it'd, just be, it'd be like me and Greg. And Greg walked by and said, hey, man, what's going on? Hey, man, can you help me? That was all that was going through that man's mind. He had no idea. None whatsoever. He was just trying to get some help. This is the only time that I, I I'm, sure there, I'm sure I'm wrong, but, but I can't recall, Okay. I'll do the famous political speech, you know, political answer that everybody that's guilty uses. I, I don't recall. But in this case, it's true. I don't recall another time in the Bible where somebody approached Jesus and called him sir. Isn't that what it says? Sir, I have no one to care. He didn't say teacher, he didn't say rabbi, he didn't say master, he didn't say Jesus, he didn't say Messiah. He just said, sir, will you help me? Have not because you asked not, I guess, huh? He didn't know that either. He was just desperate. We pass by desperate people every single day. Every day. And when they ask for help, I mean, I, I, I'm going to be honest with you. In pastoring here, it happens all the time. You know, I see somebody, I mean, if I'm driving down the road or, or I'm, let's say I'm walking down the street and I see somebody, you know, down there begging, I, I'm, I'm going, oh, no, I never carry cash. I only carry cards. I don't want to be a jerk. So I'll just cross the street and go around him. Or just have some money and you just say, you know what, I, I'm not going to do this. I'm not going to do this. And with me, it's an ongoing thing. I do it, when I'm in Africa, I deal with it 10 times a day at least. Constant, 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 constant. If they can't beg it out of you, they will, they're, they're so corrupt. But there's people that need help. And Jesus, there was something about the man that appealed to Jesus because of all of the, there was, it says there was a great multitude, I think it's a sick, second chapter, second verse, it says there was a great multitude of sick people. And Jesus saw one guy and said, man, you want to be made well? Heck yeah. Why, why is it? Why is it that he's just one guy? I think that the guy was created for greatness and he didn't realize it. This is not, this is not Bible. This is just my opinion. 
Because Jesus approached him, he spoke to him, he, he, he told him he was well. And what did the guy do after he was made well? He went to the temple. He didn't know who Jesus was, but he knew what he got came from God. And you don't always have to be in Jesus' name. And Jesus, Jesus is going to do this. Oh, God's got this. All this. No, you need to meet the need of the person that's in front of you. You don't know what greatness is inside of them. And when they are released to do what they're supposed to do, man, do you imagine that great multitude of people that was on that porch? If I'd have been that guy that went back and said, hey, there was a guy that met me here. Y'all all know me. I've been here for 38 years. You need to listen to what this guy has to say. What if he just did that? What if that was the only thing? But he did. He went back. He went to the church. Then he went back. Who knows what revival that man sparked. But he was important enough that Jesus picked him out of a multitude. I'm here to tell you that God has chosen you. Jesus picked you out of a multitude. There's something great inside of you. You're, you don't know who you're going to touch in your lifetime. But when you do, you just change the course of history. Who is the guy? Who is the guy that led Billy Graham to the Lord, T.L. Osborne, or, 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 or Roberts, or who, all those guys? There was somebody. That got his attention. I'm not preaching anything that I've got in my iPad. Not one bit. All right, I'll get back. All right, here we go. Number one. No. <laughs> well, I'm covering some of it, you know. Be relevant. Be relevant to whoever you're in front of. If you are not relevant to people, they can't relate to you. If you can't be relevant to what to their lifestyle, to what they're going through, if you can't be relevant to that, to that, they will resist you. But if you can be relevant in their lives, you're gonna you're gonna see things change. Um when Jesus picked this guy out, he immediately became relevant to Jesus at this point. He, he's, like I said, he, he struck up a conversation with him. I mean, it was embarrassing, maybe. You know, I mean, Ginger was the most embarrassed woman on God's green earth the day that I chased T.L. Osborne down in a... Uh, he knew who I was, and I knew who he was, but we never met. But we are at a conference, and he was preaching... And so when he walked out, I shagged in behind him. <laughs> Had security guards, man, I was dodging, and, you know, they get in the green room, and, and, and I'll never forget this. Walked up, shook his hand, and he said, how can I serve you? I said, well, I'm in, 
I want to go to, I want to travel to Africa with you. I think I'm just telling you. I mean, I'm just blatantly, disgracefully honest. I didn't care if everybody in that entire, there were, how many people were there? Oh, got two, three thousand people? Yeah. <laughs> she sat down, she sat down, she sat down and didn't want to be embarrassed. How, how many times you spoke to TL? Pull me out. She got so mad at me. She said, I pray for you my whole, your whole adult life. And, you, and you, know, you tell off with T.L. Osborne, here I am, stuck in Castor, Louisiana. I, I agree with her. But you know what? I chased him down. I chased him down. And, and I said, I want to travel Africa with you. He said, he said okay. He said, uh, he said Get, give this guy your information. I said, I've already emailed him four times. He never will respond. He said, I can promise you he'll respond this time. And uh, that guy was the one that was embarrassed. At that point, I was not embarrassed at all. Don't be afraid to chase after what you want. Don't let embarrassment or an emotion keep you from the will of God. Hey, how many people can say, hey, I've traveled after with T.L. Osborne? I've done crusades. I've, he's asked me to stand over 70,000 people and pray for healing. Are you, listen, are you following what I'm saying? I don't care if I get embarrassed. Look what God accomplished because I said, I got zero pride about this. None. But I made myself relevant to him, and he could relate to what I wanted, and he had the power to make it happen, and he's a fine, Christian, good, most honest man I've ever known, and he made it happen. Put me in a whole different circle of people, you hear me? A lot of them. The, the, the relationships that I have today were formed out of that circle years and years and years ago. You've got to be relevant to who you're in front of. How many of y'all love hymnals? Raise your hand and break it. <laughs> I cannot relate to a song written in the 1500s. I just can't. But I was raised in a, in a Baptist church and we sang Rock of Ages and all of that stuff, you know. And, and you know what? That's church, that's church songs. That's church music. I didn't listen, I didn't, I didn't have, you know, the greatest hits from the 1500 to put in a cassette player, you know. They didn't even produce Christian music back then. It's a hymnal. The thing is, I want to be relevant to everybody that I preach to, and my audience is not church people. If you came in, the, the, most people in this room, there's, there's, there's some that can't, but couldn't sing Rock of Ages right now. Know every word, except for Greg Lee. <laughs> Greg, Greg Lee knows the lyrics of every song ever. <laughs> Christian or pop, whatever. 
<laughs> Where was I at? I don't know. Anyway, the hymnal. Hymnals. I preached a message called The Man That Killed a Hymnal one time. But that's the reason I don't like it. I'm not after church people. I don't want to go out and get First Assembly or First Baptist or anything. I don't want to, I don't, I don't want that mess. I want street folk. You hear me? I'm after lost people. I'm not after church people. It's never been my target. It's just, you know, it just never has been. So I want music, I want music that has a beat of a modern style with scripture in it. That is the same thing as a hymnal. It's just modern. I was, do you know that I was in a church doing a wedding? God, a long time ago. And uh, <laughs> I just got to looking at the hymnals, you know, because you're, sit, you're sitting in rehearsal, you know, you just, everybody just do it. So I'm sitting there, I'm looking at the hymnals, and I'm looking at the dates that they were written. They were singing songs before Christopher Columbus ever set sail for anywhere. <laughs> relevant. Re no, that's not relevant. It's relevant to church people. Who's your audience? Who do you want to be relevant to? You want to be relevant to church people? Go ahead. You ain't going to grow. You step, out, you step out there with the lost people and you start invading their culture and their territory... You'll see things happen. Nothing happens in a church. <laughs> you know, I mean, to be honest with you, like my buddy told me, the pastor, he said, if I want to move the, the piano, I've got to move it an inch a week. Why? Because church don't like change. And God said, behold, I do a new thing. Behold, I do a new thing. Behold, I do a new thing. That's what I want to be doing. I don't want to be... No, okay. Here I go. I'll, I'll move on. Verse 12. One dozen. Twelve. <laughs> who is the man who said to you, take up your bed and walk? I don't really know. He didn't. Had no idea who Jesus was. And then people start getting mad because he got healed on the Sabbath. And then he was carrying his bed and you're not supposed to be carrying your bed on the Sabbath. They looked right past the miracle of God at a law. When they were breaking the very same laws. Did you know back then on the Sabbath you could not walk any further than you could throw a stone? They had crazy laws like that. God had nothing to do with that mess. God said to honor the Sabbath and keep it holy. Okay, well, we, we got to have a whole set of rules to be able to say what holy is and holy isn't. And holy is, you can, if you can throw a stone 25 feet, you can walk 25 feet. But if you've got a good arm, you can throw it 100 feet, you can walk 100 feet. Isn't that stupid? 
The, th- the thing about this, the thing about this, <laughs> what did he say? Well, if you ain't got any legs, you ain't either. <laughs> my question, my question is, why wouldn't they be happy for somebody who'd get healed and he'd been sick for, for 38 years? Why in the world would you get angry about that? They got mad. They got so mad. Jesus withdrew from the crowd and left. But you know what? Same thing happens today from time to time. It's hard to not get mad when somebody else gets a healing. You think that that belongs to you. Or somebody's, somebody's miracle takes place. We're a family. We're supposed to want the best for our brothers and our sisters. We're supposed to be happy for them. But see, what happened is they, they got, the, the, the Jews got angry. And I do, this is what I was telling Ginger last night. She looked at me like, a, like it's crazy, but y'all are probably, y'all, y'all are looking at, way at me too. So anyway, um, there was one group of people on the entire planet that were looking for the Messiah. And that was the Jews. Right? Nobody else was looking for the Messiah. It was only the Jews. That's it. The only group of people, and they're the only group of people that couldn't recognize him. Why? Because all of the laws and the superstitions and the uh, religious traditions and everything had overshadowed relationships. It overshadowed all that. They couldn't even see the Messiah for their law and their traditions. Crazy, isn't it? It ain't no different today. It really isn't. (laughs) They were blinded by their laws. And most people are blinded by the same things today. I ain't going down there with them hypocrites. God! There's hypocrites in the Bible. There's hypocrites in Walmart. And they, they, you know, they, they, I saw a hypocrite at the Sonic drive through the other day. They walk all over Brookshire's room. I mean, they everywhere. But you know what? If I want to eat, I got to socialize with hypocrites, I guess, huh? Same thing's true with the church. If you don't get fed, chew up the hay, spit out the sticks. Mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm-mm. Whew. What cracks me up about these people that <clears throat> they'll take, like, like the, the, Jew, the Jews are doing here, they took a, took a law and used it to their advantage in an argument to justify why they were right and to tell him why he was wrong. The man got healed. 
It was on the Sabbath. What happened after he got healed? He went back, he went to the church to thank God for what had happened to him. He, he didn't even have any part in this. And they were mad at him. They were angry. Why? Well, that's what happens sometimes when, when uh, the way God does things doesn't line up with the way that we think God should do things. Why did that guy get a miracle? Why, why, why did that guy get healed of cancer? I watched my mom and my dad die of cancer. They're good people. Right? Blah, 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 blah. They start what I call, and this is what we're going to name this message, Bible slanging. Start slinging scriptures around to justify the way they live their life and start slinging scriptures around to justify why other people are bad. Am I wrong? Come on. Judge not. I mean, that's even, I mean, that's even in the LGBTQ, whatever. I mean, that they're using it now. They're using Bible-slinging tactics to justify what they're doing. You know, David and Jonathan, they were really close. I've heard it all. You know, I, I, God would not send me to hell for some act that I have done. That's exactly, he's not sending you, he's trying to keep you from going. That's why he's telling you this is wrong. He's not judging you, but one day he will have to. <clears throat> Am I getting anywhere? I preach the blood right out of Debbie's nose. <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's all about the blood. <laughs> How many of y'all ever been a... I was a Bible slinger, bro. You hear me? I, I mean, before I got... Before I got, I got saved, I knew the Word, and I knew how to argue it. Today, I refuse it to. I won't. I'm not going to. God's going to justify what I'm doing. I don't have to. I don't have to justify what I do to you. But I, I do have to answer to him. But I'll be doggone if I'm going to sit there and, and argue the word of God with somebody. I'm just not going to do it. It's not what it says. It's the anointing on it that breaks the yoke of bondage. And if they're sitting there with an argumentative state wanting to, wanting to just tell me what the Bible says, what it doesn't, I leave, I don't talk to them, I stay away because you don't know how bad I love to argue. Uh, and to put the word in that, it's, there's not a righteous indignation in that. There's just mad. You know? There's a time for righteous indignation, and I've, and I've had to, as a pastor, you're going to have to do that on a regular basis. And, and as a Christian, you're going to have to have it as well. But 
what makes you mad also pushes your buttons. And you can have the right intention going in and come out totally on the wrong side of it because you're so in sin. Because you're trying to justify what you're doing with the word. Bible slinging. I've got to come up with a better name. Scripture slinging. No, I like Bible slinging. Bible slinging. Bible slinging. Well, you know, you're going to go to hell if you get sprinkled. Because Jesus was baptized. And you, even if you are, if you don't do it in Jesus' name, if you don't put those three words on it, you're going to hell. Are you following what I'm saying? If, if, if you heal on the Sabbath, it's evil. It's the same argument. Jesus, God don't care what day of the week you honor him and keep it holy as long as there is one. There's people who have to work on Sunday. There's, there's, there's all kind of things. But you've got to have that day. You know, the Sabbath in the Old Testament, you know, it wasn't on Sunday. Y'all know that, right? Do you even know why it's on Sunday now? I can tell you. Do you want to know? Easter was on a Sunday. Every time that Jesus appeared to somebody after his resurrection, when he appeared to them on earth... It was on a Sunday. That's why it became a holy day to Christians. And to the Jews, they said, we don't want nothing to do with Christians. It's on a Saturday. And so the uh, Seventh-day Adventist folks said, you know, we believe what the Jews believe. They have the same. They have that Sabbath thing, and they're not supposed to do, you know, this and that. They do. They don't care. You know, I mean... But you can't do anything on the Sabbath. That's what you're going to hang your hat on. Not death, burial, and resurrection, but the Sabbath. These people in that time, they were ruled. They had a ruler. The, the, the Israelites, they were in a constant state for 5,000 years of being in captivity. or Somebody was ruling over them, and when they didn't have somebody to rule over them, they let the law rule them. They had no idea how to relate, period, outside of the law. The only people that you really hear talked about in the Bible are those that said, you know what, we don't care what you believe. We don't care what the law is. This is what we're going to do because this is right in the sight of God. Like Virginia was preaching on Mother's Day. Moses' mother, she defied the law. Put that baby in that treacherous river. And then she got paid to raise him. She was a slave that got paid to raise her own child. It's a miracle in itself. How many people resented her for a miracle 
I got to get out of here, man. What did the guy do when he was healed? He went to the church because he knew what happened to him was of God. And while he was at church, Jesus came to find him. Jesus didn't seek this man out once. He sought him out twice. That's amazing to me. He sought the man out two times. And the second time, the man figured out real quick who it was. So he went around and said, the 15th chapter, the 15th verse said it. 15th verse said, the man departed and told the Jews that it was Jesus who had made him well. Didn't say had healed him. He said made him well again. He went to the Jewish synagogue and started telling people that Jesus healed him. How many else? How, how many? How many other people did he tell? What? You know, Revelation twelve eleven. We know what that one is, right? We got it up here? Yeah. And they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. They did not live the lives to death. Somebody dropped an oxygen bottle or something, didn't it? <laughs> what it sounded like. <laughs> Remember where you come from. Don't go back but tell other people where you are and what, who delivered you out of it. Be relevant to everybody that you come in contact with. Every person that you're trying to reach, you've got to, you've got to be relevant to what's going on in their lives. I, God, is that clock? What time is it, Ginger? Okay, I got, I got, I got time for this. Dang it. Time flies. I just, I don't know why I want to say this. I've, I've been saying it for the last two weeks, and, and uh, God just gave me a revelation of it. You know, if, if you're believing God for something, if you're putting your faith on something, do you know what I'm talking about? Let's say uh, faith on your career path or your finances or your family or, or whatever the case may be anything that you say you're putting your faith on if it's not constantly going off in your mind it's probably not going to happen because when I put my faith on something I constantly 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 are thinking about it thinking about it thinking about it, putting more faith more faith more faith if I just say you know what I'm believing God for this and and leave it alone. I don't get it. <laughs> don't be afraid to go out on a limb. Don't be afraid to be embarrassed. I didn't care what not one person in that whole auditorium cared about me but the man that I was chasing after. 
And I got that relationship. Had it for years and years. Don't be afraid to go after what you're believing God for. And if it's not on your mind, off and on all day long, it's probably not God. You need to, you need to double check and make sure things are right. Because we don't want to be accused of Bible slinging. We want to be church, we want to be looked at as people that are Bible living. What we do every day that counts. Searching after people, serving people, helping people. That's what we're after, amen? Stand to your feet. If anybody needs prayer for healing, salvation, whatever it is, man, come on down here. Come on down here now. I ain't going to give you a loan. All right. Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus. I thank you so much, Father. I thank you for this message, Father, that, that, Father, that it makes someone stronger, better. Father, we thank you for Jesus more than anything else. Father, we thank you for all that you do. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Father, we thank you for this church, all the Bible-believing churches. Father, we just thank you for them. And, Father, we want to be that glorious church that you come back after, Father. We thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen, amen.